Okay, welcome everyone. We are in Parshas Kisisa, and I feel this is going to be a very important class to ground some of the ideas that we've been talking about and that I've been getting a lot of questions on. One question a lot that keeps coming up is, you keep talking about honoring the body and tuning into the voice of your body and that your body knows a higher truth, but you know, what if my body has a million sensations and anxiety and all kinds of crazy, like, fear or whatever, like, am I supposed to tune into that? Like, how can you say that that's the higher voice? And how do we know when to tune into the body and not to tune into the body? So the the class is not directly about that, but I think indirectly, it will bring up some more clarity and information around that topic. And also a lot of times people, you know, we're always asking, what's the purpose of pain? What's the purpose of pain? Like why Hashem? Hashem couldn't have made it easier. So we're going to talk about pain and the purpose of pain. And I want to say that to differentiate different kinds of pain. There's pain that is really deep, like from people who, you know, never got never got married or never had children or um, chronic, like real diseases or losing someone they love. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not talking about that kind of pain. And I don't believe the rabbi's talking about that kind of pain. And it's in this, the rabbi's not talking about that kind of pain in this week's sicha either. Um, and I don't feel like I feel comfortable even talking about that pain. The kind of pain that we're talking about is, the pain in our body, like the sensations in our body that feel out of alignment, like uncomfortable and anxious or maybe depressed or even like headaches or um, tight chest or things in our body that like sensations that are really uncomfortable in our body that causes like our heart hurts, things like that, that we don't know what to do with. And we have these sensations in our bodies that we've that have felt very uncomfortable. Okay. So that's just a little intro. I'm going to jump into this week's Sicha. So this, this, usually I go backwards where I start giving some examples and like grounded ideas. And then I go back and then we go into the Sicha. But I want to share a little bit, start off some the, the general theme of the Sicha and then break it down into like grounded and real life examples. So this Sicha, at first when I read it, I was like, wow, okay, this is something that's just actually pretty well known. It's something that we've learned many a time. Like those of us who've grown up learning Hasidus and even not, there's this concept, right? That where a Baal Teshuvah stands is higher than a Tzadik. I want to listen. I want to listen. Hi, Sarah. You're not a mute. Oh. <laughs> um, but lovely to hear your voice. Okay, so um, the concept that a Baal Teshuvah stands higher than a Tzadik, meaning that everything that we go through, sins, disconnect, mistakes that we make is actually from Hashem's perspective, from a Jewish perspective, it's not actually a mistake. It's an opportunity to transform, to grow, to get even higher. And that, so that there's no mistake. So whatever we go through, again, it's to bring us to the best version of ourselves. Um, and the, the rubber, Mama, the, yeah. I'm so sorry to stop you. Um, just to point out that on the group, it says, see you in an hour. I clicked on that one. That was Sarah's Sarah's Zoom. And then I had to like go back and get to you. So maybe someone should delete it. Okay, so the Rebbe brings this whole concept in this week's Sicha where he talks about why is this Parsha called Kisisa? What does Kisisa mean to uplift? If actually we see in this Parsha that there's opposite of uplifting. Some of the things that happen were opposite, right? We know in this Parsha there's the Cheta Egel the sin of the golden calf, which is a huge descent and a huge disconnect and a huge major like, you know, embarrassment for the Jewish people who just got out of Mitzrayim and they got the Torah and then they went this low and to sin. And then 
also in this week's parsha is the breaking of the luchais of the first luchais which was hand carved by hashem and beautiful stone and like so such an elevated luchais and then we got and these luchais broke break in this week's parsha and then we got the second luchais so the rebbe is asking everything there's no mistake everything in the parsha is connected and the fact that it's connected to the name kisisa uplift it must be connected but it how does it connect because again it seems like there's a lot of descent so again the rabbi brings up this point that i started, that originally said is that because as we know that really according to hasidus and according to the deeper outlook in life that there is no such thing as descent and not only that that actually a lot of times that really a descent is actually an opportunity for elevation and for deeper elevation because you know you have first your your original place where you are and then you have a separation you have a descent you have a sin you have something that causes something worse and then when you come what was that descent descent is like the opposite of elevation like disconnect sin avera like you know going away kisisa is to uplift and when the chet eagle was the opposite it was brought them didn't ascend them it pushed them away from hashem so how does that fit into the name of elevation to uplift? Descent is the opposite. I don't know the word in Hebrew, but anyways, um, yeah, down. It's Yerida, Yerida. Yeah, Yerida. Yeah, exactly. It was a Yerida. Thank you. So the rabbi said there's no mistake and everything really is an, up, an elevation. And that the reason is because, like I said originally, that the, we're a Baal Shem to, we're a, Baal Teshuva, where Baal Teshuva stands is higher than a tzaddik. Why? Because when you feel the disconnect, when you feel the pain, when you feel how painful it is to disconnect, then on your own, you say, oh no, I feel what it feels like to be separated from Hashem and it feels so bad. So I want to return. I want to do the right thing on my own. It's like you have more consciousness. You have more free choice. You're choosing to come back to Hashem. So that's what the rabbi said. So actually it all is Kisisa because the descent wasn't an actual descent. It was an actually an opportunity for a higher ascent. So much so that we see at the end of the Parsha that it doesn't say that Moshe's face was shining when we got the first, when he got the first Luchas, but after the Cheta Egel and after he broke the first Luchas and then he got back and got the second Luchas, he came back and it says that his face was shining so much that like the Yidin couldn't even look straight in his face. It was like such an elevation that he was shining. So, okay. So then, so then the Rebbe says, okay, we're going to have to understand this more, but just he, the Rebbe says there's Aleph Bey's Gimel. There, not only, hi Gilam, that there's not to understand that sin and separation and disconnect is not only, oh, it's forgivable and Hashem forgives and you can always return deeper than that, that actually Hashem designed the world, that there's an, an Aleph Bez Gimel, that there's three stages in life in the world. Everything that happens in the cosmic world happens in our personal world. It's all a mirror. So that there's a stage where Aleph is like Hashem created the world in perfection, then Bez, this middle stage where that was Gullus, we were banned out of Gan Eden, we had the separation, we had the disconnect, the separation and years of sin and pain and disconnect. And then Gimel is Geula, where we come back to the union, but it's so much deeper, so much more elevated because we had those years of disconnect and we know how painful it was. So on our own, we're choosing to return. We're choosing Hashem because from our own consciousness, because we know how difficult and painful it was the separation. So it's so much higher. 
And, and the rabbi says this happens also in our own life where we have some sense of connection to Hashem. And then at some point in our life, maybe years or a period of disconnect, that's really painful. And then when we come back and we heal and we transform and we come back to Hashem, we're much, on a much, much, much higher level. So much so, the rabbi is going to say, we're going to see inside that when it talks about Misha's face shining from the elevation of the sin, that the second luchas, and we know the second luchas on one level could look like a descent because the first luchas was from Hashem. Hashem himself carved it. The second one, it says that Moshe carved it. So on one level, it was lower. On the other hand, it was Moshe's face was shining because it came, he was a partner with Hashem. It was integrated. He, through his physical body, brought this high level of Hashem into a more earthly place. And so his face was shining because he became a partner with Hashem. And the Rebbe says that this shiningness is like this space where Misha became a vessel for Hashem and really work as a partner, that this is a level that everyone could attain, that it's for everybody. And it's something that we all need to work towards. So of course, we have to talk about what that means. But just before I go into details, if you think about it, like when you see when someone's really, really struggling, their face is darkened, right? You're, you could see in their eyes, the, the look of pain. And when someone's really in a state of pleasure and flow and joy, you could say, oh my gosh, your eyes are shining, your face is shining. Like it's, it's a state of pleasure, of joy, of peace. So this is what it means. So now I want to pause and say, I wanted to start with this because I'm going to say, okay, this is something we've all, we could all say, I've learned this. I know this. Okay. So what's new here? But if you stop and say, well, this is a nice idea in theory, but is it happening practically? And if not, why? Because if you look around the world, do you see so many people walking around with shining faces that we can't even look because it's so blinding because they're like blinded with Hashem's light? I mean, not really, right? If anything, it seems like there's a lot of Chaita Egel going around in the world. What's Chaita Egel? The Chaita Egel is where there was a disconnect from Hashem, right? And they didn't, they, were, they got scared and panicked. And so they created their own version of Hashem. And what is that in our life, in, in reality, like modern day, you know, 2024? It's, I don't feel Hashem. I can't trust Hashem. I don't see Hashem showing up for me. So I have to take control over my own life. So whether it's you know, doing things to make sure people love me and give me value so that I could get, make sure that I'm valued or working like crazy to make sure that I have enough money because I don't trust Hashem is gonna give me the money that I need or um, not doing the things that I value or that I believe in because I feel like then I won't be loved or I won't be accepted or overworking, overachieving, all these things. I mean, we see it, there's a lot of, that's cheta ego. There's a lot of, that going on a lot more than shining faces being vessels for Hashem. So it's very nice to say, you know, oh, it's okay. The sins bring us, have give us an opportunity for deeper growth and an opportunity for us to connect to Hashem. But actually we see a lot more that a lot of times people, you know, feel disconnected from Hashem and then they create their own cheta ego, right? Where they're controlling their life and substituting Hashem for their own version of controlling their life. And does that bring them to transformation or do a lot of people, do we get stuck there? And then we feel bad and we feel disconnected and we feel uncomfortable in our body. So then we go on social media and then we overeat and then we feel we're not sleeping well. And then, we've, then we're angry at Hashem because how dear Hashem creates such pain and suffering in the world. And then it's like a vicious cycles that actually could dig us deeper and deeper and deeper into suffering. So what is the secret? What is the shift? What, do, what is the tool that we need to actually slow down and tap into 
when we sin, when we disconnect, when we do something that's not good for us, how do we tap into the secret of to take that that situation that came our way that's painful, that's wrong, that's disconnected, and use it as an opportunity to shine and to actually get more and more elevated versus to drag us down into more and more suffering, which I think we're more used to dragging, being dragged down and getting and suffering. Following so far? Okay, so I guess I'll pause here and ask, what do you guys have any, I thought of two things and I wanna go into detail of them, but do you have any ideas? What do you think could be possible blockages that block someone when they sin? And again, when I say sin, there's there's different, the same way we've learned, those of you who have been following the classes, there's different categories of, there's different categories of mitzvah. There's the 613 mitzvahs. And then there's the mitzvah, the geula mitzvah that the rabbi explains a mitzvah is the Shem's desire in the moment. So it means being like doing and honoring what your essence wants moment to moment to moment is also a mitzvah because you're connecting to Hashem. It doesn't have to be based on only the 613 mitzvahs. It's in addition. So an avera and the same and that same train of thought is doing something that's disconnected from our true desire, from what we really want or our true value system or what's best for us. Anyway, so then we feel bad. And then, yeah, sorry, I got on tangent. What do you think are some energies or some feelings or some fears or, or whatever that might block us to take that as an opportunity, the bad feeling of disconnecting and using it as an opportunity to grow? Any ideas? Think about it in your own life. Like what are things that might stop you, the growth prop, um, opportunity? Yeah, Rachel. Anger. Who said anger? You said Rachel? Oh, Gila, anger. Can you describe that? Like, what do you mean? Um, yeah, because um, I was angry about everything. Mashiach didn't come and Hashem did this. And uh, why does he do that? And why is my husband not kind to me? And why do, do I have to work so hard? And yeah, a lot of anger. Okay. So like, and I would say also like, ang- it sounds also what you're saying, like being a victim to... to yeah, sure. Like being a sure. victim, like, oh, everything's so bad and everything's so hard and nothing's working out for me. Okay, great. Thank you. Yes, Rachel. Yeah, um, uh, it fits the right terminology. So I think it's not just necessarily the action of disconnection, but then especially for women, there's the rumination afterwards, like the shame. And I think the Rebbe described it so beautifully, like how you presented it about dust and that you have, like, that was such a beautiful moment for me when you were talking about that right at the beginning that you have to love that dust and like elevate everything you know like like bring it yeah yes. I that was one of mine I'm going to talk about shame because I think it's huge so thank you for bringing it up I completely agree with you anyone else maybe one more for me here here want to describe that like let's say you do something that's disconnected from your true self like what is, what goes on no, it's holding me back, the fear, not to succeed, not to, um, uh, yeah, not, not take the ideas further. Right. So that, so that's a great example of something that's holding you back from moving forward with Hashem. But some, I'm saying specifically, look, what's a feeling that let's say you do something that do, is not right and doesn't feel, it wasn't good for you. Like you did something, you made a choice and then it, it was a mistake. What's something that might block you from using it as an opportunity to grow? Like 
you like recall said like maybe you feel shame like oh i shouldn't have done that or yeah is this recording yes yeah, it's, it's recording, recording. So i won't go into the whole story but um i i something recently kind of made a mistake and then i immediately thought okay i can see i need to correct and redirect afterwards but then you actually have to commit to taking that action and sometimes we're stuck in the old habits but it's like you realize you need to make a change like for me it was le chenera. i'm like oh okay redirect but then it's like really to continually focus and commit to that change that you want to make in yourself yes beautiful so let's I, I, I'm, my first thing i want to talk about is shame it's huge and actually it's so deeply ingrained in us that going back to the first sin the original sin so um, I want to talk, take a minute and talk about where shame began. So Adam and Chava, right? They were created in this unity with Hashem in this beautiful Gan Eden where everything was clear and there was no evil, no sin and this beautiful reality. And then when they ate from the Eitz Adas, they, it, we, as we know, in order for them to integrate a deeper connection to Hashem, it also had to be covered up with evil, with the darkness, with the Yitzhahara in order to, because their bodies weren't vessels yet to be able to experience all the good and all the love and all the powerful light. And so they got, uh, they integrated the Yetzirah, the, the negative and the darkness. And we see the first moment in time where we see already that the Yetzirah is so strong and takes takes over is when Hashem comes and says, Ayeka, where are you? And Hashem is giving them an opportunity to do teshuva and to come back. And he says, look, you know, I gave you one, I gave you everything you can do. And there was one thing that you couldn't do, but even so you still have an opportunity to do teshuva. Even so it's still not late. You can still come back into Gan Eden. And when it says, when he, the Torah says, when he said, Ayaka, when Hashem said, Ayaka, he wanted them to just feel that feeling of like looking around and, oh my gosh, we lost our God consciousness. We don't, our eyes don't see Hashem anymore. Like we don't, we don't even, we don't, our hearts don't feel it. Like, this feels so horrible. It feels so cold. It feels so empty. It feels so lonely. Like, ouch, 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 Hashem, what can we do to come back? Like the temptation was so strong. Like, we just want to be back with you. Please, 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 is there any way? And they would have gone right back to Gan Eden. But because they already consumed the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara was so strong that it came in, in the voice of shame. And Adam felt so ashamed and so embarrassed that he, there was one thing that he wasn't supposed to do and he couldn't control himself. And he was so flooded with shame that he shut down. And instead of expressing his desire and his true, authentic, vulnerable feelings, the shame took hold of him. And he said, I don't know, why are you talking to me? It was Chava's fault. Look at Chava. And then Chava, so filled with shame and so uncomfortable and so flooded. I don't know. Look, don't look at me. Look at the snake. It was his fault. So their shame was so big and so strong that they lost an opportunity to reconnect and be vulnerable and to express how painful it was and to come back. And because they were full of shame, they just couldn't handle their feelings. So they just blamed and shamed and pointed at everyone else. So this is a, very important to understand that this is the snake energy that every single time it was okay. If they would have, if you think pause in time, if they would have been in the Gan Eden and ate from the Eitz Adas, felt the feeling of being exposed, right? They noticed they were naked. They felt the separation from Hashem and then returned. They would have appreciated Gan Eden so much more because even two minutes of feeling separate from Hashem is so painful. Their Gan Eden experience would have forever been different. Two minutes is enough. It's excruciating to be separate from Hashem. 
They would have learned so much, but their shame took over. So when we, whenever we have an opportunity, when we have a disconnect, when we do something that's not in line with Hashem's essence, with not our true desire, not what Hashem wants, we have a bad feeling because there's a disconnect. Our body feels disconnected. Our body feels flooded with uncomfortable sensations. And it's an opportunity really to say, oh my gosh, I feel so uncomfortable, I wanna come back. But the Yetzirah knows that if we take this opportunity, we're gonna be elevated. We're gonna be a Balchuva. We're gonna see the difference and say, oh my gosh, I just wanna connect back to you, Hashem, it felt so bad. And we're just gonna be stronger. So the first thing the Yetzirah does, shame, shame, shame. You're a loser, you're worthless. What's wrong with you? And you know, how, how could you have done that? What were you thinking? You think you're a good mother? Like what kind of mother would do such a thing? Da, 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 da. And then now I feel so bad and I feel so horrible about myself. So now I need to go on social media and eat cake. And now I'm so, feel so bad I can't go to sleep. So I go to sleep at two in the morning and then the next morning I'm screaming at my kids. And now look, that, that, that voice that said I'm a terrible mother. Now I could prove that I'm a terrible mother. I'm horrible. I can't even get my act together. Oh, now I'm eating cake again. Now I'm on social media again. And before we know it, we're just um, a terrible, horrible piece of nothing. So it's like a the shame is so powerful. And that's why that's the Yetzirah's quickest and most like traumatic, but like quickest um, tactic because it's so powerful. Because when we get into these shame spirals, it literally could bring us lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. And I'm going to give some examples afterwards, but... That's just one to really, so the, actually the solution to that for us to understand, we become so empowered, knowledge is power. And the more we understand, the more empowered we are and the more power we have in this battle of evil and coming into becoming our our power, empowered self and becoming beacons of light where this evil has no power over us. So when we're in a situation where we do something that's disconnected and then we feel bad and then we hear like, oh, you're such a loser. Oh, you shouldn't, you should have known. You should, why did, stop and pause and say, oh, Mr. Shame showed up. Like Amale, come on, Paro, all the evil of the world, they're the snake. He, and you, we have to be conscious of that and to slow down and to say, wow, I'm hearing shame. Yes, Viviana. So I was in this, in this way, years, mm -hmm. drowning in like exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much time I already do that, but I'm not going there. I stopped oh, to go there. Excellent. Oh, Hashem, definitely. And I'm, I'm changing my thinking. Okay, this is what happened. Now how I can grow. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm taking the same thing, but I'm not giving it a space of thinking why, why I did it. No, what, what now I can, um, uh, do different, make it different, learn different, different, uh, act different. Like so you're already that the Yetzirah has less power over you. That's amazing to be able to see and say, wow, like you know, because when we win these battles, like the more when we see what shame is and we don't engage the Yetzirah has less power and doesn't show up in that way anymore. It's, it's like, forget it, you know? I, I'm, this woman knows her worth. She knows her power. Amazing. Yeah, my life changed. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so that's like... I'll ask you a question on that. Yeah. So I, I get everything what you're saying about the shame, and that is a huge, a huge one. But when you... What you said before about not doing what is right, meaning 
not only just like uh, 613 mitzvahs of Aira, so to speak, but like not doing what's right for you. Mm-hmm. So I was just wondering, like when you're giving the answer, how to avoid it, I, you need to differentiate or how do you differentiate between sort of the voices that are shame or, or like the Yetzirah versus I'm, 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 I'm having a little trouble, like sort of verbalizing, but you know, like you have other voices in your head that'll, that are trying to bring you back from your Yechida, let's say your, your, your divine desires. So it's not good for you, but so how do you differentiate between the shame over something that you shouldn't have done versus just the uncomfortable feeling because you're not used to tuning into your yachida. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I do. I do think I understand you and I'm going to answer you and tell me if this answers and then you'll know, I'll know if I understood your okay. question. So that's why this sikha is so important. Every single one of these sikhas are so important. They all cover different pieces. The, the piece that the rabbi is communicating to us in this week's sikha is that the Cheta Egel, the sin of the golden calf, not only was not a mistake, it was a necessary part of the process for us to be able to be elevated, to receive a more integrated Luchas, so that we could feel the feeling of separation so we can know, oh, this is what, what feels like to sin. This is what it feels like to control our life. We made our own golden calf. We didn't wait for Hashem's instructions. We were we panicked. We feared. We had anxiety, and we took action into our own hands. And now we feel so bad. It doesn't feel good. Oh, okay. So next time, can we work on trusting a little more and expanding? I learned from this experience that Hashem is always here. And sometimes I'll miscalculate and think Hashem's not here. But if I just breathe through the panic and breathe and trust. Next time I could have more, you know, so that's what the rabbi is telling us. So there is no room for shame, no matter what. It does not matter. Your brain will, your yetzer will convince you, but, 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 but shame is out of the question. Always, 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 always. Now, exactly what you're asking is the key here. How do we know Hashem's true desire? Our essence and Hashem's desire within each person is different because our essence is Hashem's essence. That means my essence in this moment might Hashem through me wants to experience something different than Hashem through you at this minute. Hashem's infinite and he's experiencing and delighting in life through each of us in our own unique way. And we're tapping into that. What does Hashem desire now? If I do something wrong, and this is going to be my next thing. I was, I said, shame is a blockage and the next thing is a blockage. But if we do something like, let's say our body is saying, and I was going to give this example, I'll give it now. You know, I, I, there's an event and I, I give this example, like, five months ago. So I'm going to give this example again. If I gave this in this class also, but let's say there's an event and I'm invited to it. And I know that the people there really want me to go. And my body's like, Nechama, you're tired. It's too much. It's going to end late. You, you don't need to do it. It's not good for, I, I don't, I don't want to, I have no desire to go. And my head's like, they're expecting you and they want you there and they're going to be disappointed. And my body's like, no, 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 no. My head's like, yes, yes, yes. And so I was like, you know, like, you know what? I'm just going to ignore my body and I feel bad. I'm going to go. And then I'm exhausted and I come back and I'm in a really bad mood and I didn't enjoy it. And it was exactly what I expected. And that's why my body didn't want to go because it was trying to protect me from being in a situation that would not elevate me at all. So I could shame myself and be like, look, I'm such a loser. I should have listened. And now I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow. I'm going to be a terrible mother and then go woo down, down, down. Or what I did in that situation, I said, thank you Hashem for this opportunity because my body was screaming no. 
my head was screaming yes. I ignored my body, which is I'm learning from these hijas are the higher truth. And I fell into peer pressure and, and my brain, which is not my highest truth. And I went and I feel horrible. Guess what? I am going to be so much stronger next time. I will not listen to my head. I will listen to my body's truth. And that's what happened. And the next time an event came around, I was like, gosh, I remember when my body was saying, no, it was really bad for me. I'm going to trust my body. It wasn't a mistake that I went. It was an opportunity. It gave me more clarity for next time. That's the Gula way of seeing things. How do we learn through trial and error? How do we know? How do we know how to listen to our body? How do we know what's our body's truth? Well, you feel uncomfortable afterwards. Now you know. If you come back and you're like, I had a desire to go and I went and I feel amazing and it was great and it was productive and I feel elevated, I feel uplifted and I feel like I have enough joy to dance for the next week. You you know Hashem wanted you there, obviously. Like it's this lasting pleasure that feels so good. That's how we learn. We're learning through our body, through the sensations in our body. So I'm going to say the next thing and then and then I'll check in with you to see if like you really getting that so because I, I I this is the question that I'm getting all the time from people so it's worth like I want to like really hopefully express this really clearly yeah Rachel sorry just to be really clear um and send there's like all different parts to integrate but you're saying yet Sarah like sh- that shame feeling is specifically an external energy like from snake. the other side push it shame. away from you shame is it's not it's like an internal part shame is the snake it's got it thank it's- you you need to have very clear boundaries with the snake. If there's yes. no there's no room for negotiating with the snake. The second you Hashem off with its head. <laughs> yeah, off with his head. Hashem is unconditional okay. love. And everything we do is part of our learning. And once it happened, it was meant to be. And it's an opportunity to grow. So if you feel anything if you hear a voice that's telling you anything negative about you, it's the snake. Off with his head. Exactly. Well All right. said. thank you. You know, I was just thinking that it says that the Nachash and Mashiach are the same gematria. So in a sense, what you're saying about the opportunity is exactly true, that when the snake shame shows up, that's Mashiach. That's like literally, it's your gu'ula moment. It's like your moment to to, to like wake up and have consciousness and say, how do I want to react at this moment to myself? How am I reacting to myself right now? Exactly. Okay, so now let's take this a step further. There's the, so if you could, when the snake comes, we chop off his head. So now he doesn't exist anymore. And now we're left with ourself. So this is the next step that we need to know. When we're left with ourself, what happens is that we feel a sensation in our body. Because when there's a, when we sin, quote unquote, and people who are listening don't see me, quote unquote, because I'm not just talking about the various that we know. I'm saying literally, if we're disconnecting from what Hashem wants from us at that moment, if Hashem wants, you know, to rest and our our brain is telling us that we have to go cook for 700 people and we go through 700 people, that's not the mitzvah of that moment. We're actually disconnecting from what Hashem wants. That, mo- that moment Hashem saying the mitzvah of this moment is to tune in and rest so that you have more energy to give so it's very, very, it's slowing down and being conscious of what, anyway, so if we disconnect and we don't honor, what happens is like, I went to that event. I didn't, Hashem didn't want to go, my essence didn't want to go, I went. I came back and I felt tightness in my chest. I felt like jumpy in my legs. I got a headache. So what happens is, is that Hashem communicates inside of our body. And this is what I want to explain. I'm happy that I get an opportunity to explain because people are like, what does it mean that Hashem communicates in your body? I don't know what you're talking about. 
the best visual that when I was thinking about expressing this today, I was thinking like this, because we could all imagine this. There's a horse and a chariot, a horse and buggy, and there's a driver. And the driver has a destination and the horse is a vessel to bring the driver to its destination. Now, you know, the guy needs to go straight and then left and then right. And the horse decides to go right instead of left. So it's going in the wrong direction. The driver has to do what it needs to do. It can't, the horse and the driver speak a different language. So the driver needs to do something very simple. Take the reins, pull the horse. It's not trying to hurt the horse. It's very simple. The horse has to stop and turn towards the left because the horse is working for the driver. If the horse has a, it decides on its own where it's gonna go, there's gonna be total chaos. Then the driver is not gonna get to its destination. So I'm pulling the reins. I'm sorry, horse, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just redirecting you so that you get clarity of I'm the driver here. You're not the driver. You're just the, my vehicle that's getting me to where I need to go. The same thing you have to imagine. I think that's the, the greatest example that I was able to think of that like in the example with us and Hashem, we're the horse and Hashem is the driver. We're a vessel. We're a vehicle. Our body is the vehicle that Hashem designed for him to delight in the world. He all the energy all our desires, all our creativity, all our self-expression, all our passion, everything is Hashem within us. He knows what he wants. He created our eyes to see and our mouth to speak and our hands and our legs to move for him. He's the energy. Our essence is Hashem's essence. When we go off track, he's not trying to hurt us. He's not trying to punish us. It's like reins pulling us and saying, oops, wrong direction. Come back, come back to the, you know, the right direction. We don't know that. No one taught us that, you know, imagine we learned this in first grade, second grade, third grade, and we had words for this, we would be a lot better. But unfortunately, it's been a big, big kept secret. And we're learning this now, but never too late. We're, we're so blessed to know this now. So when we do something off, and then we get sensations, oh, my chest, like I can't, I'm breathing shallow, or I feel so anxious, or I feel so jumpy. We don't know. No one told us that it's okay. So we're like, oh, no, I feel so uncomfortable. It, it, we don't even know we feel so it's so subconscious. So let me pick up the phone and coach someone else with their problems. And then I'll feel better about myself because I'm thinking about someone else's problems or let me, you know, like, I, I don't know, go on social media and see like how many problems are in the world. So I feel better about myself because, oh, the people are in so much pain, whatever. Everyone knows their go-to, but it's like, I'm so uncomfortable. But imagine we slow down and we say, I'm a horse and Hashem has reins and he's not trying to hurt me. And this tight, tight feeling in my chest is Hashem thing. oops, oops. And he's not angry. He's not punishing us. He's not hurting us. He loves us unconditionally. He knows that we're confused. He knows that we're like horses without a direction, without a GPS, like trying to make sense of life. So with that rain is like, oh, I feel so. So again, we, we stop the shame. We go into the body. Okay, I feel sensations. It's not, I don't need to be scared of it. I don't need to be scared of it. Can I take a deep breath and know that Hashem's communicating to me? And he's saying, oh, that tightness in my chest is saying that I don't need to go to those events that are not good for me anymore, even if people will be disappointed or whatever. That's not good for me. Wow, thank you, Hashem. If I didn't have that tightness in my chest, I would keep going. I would keep doing those things. I would keep being in that job that's not good for me. I'd keep being in that relationship. I'm in this relationship that's dragging me down, that's hurting me, that's toxic for me. And every time I hang up the phone, I feel so uncomfortable, so I eat a tub of ice cream. Well, what if, thank you, Hashem, for making me so uncomfortable that you're communicating to me that I don't, this relationship is not so good for me anymore. And that's okay, and if I let go, this person, it will be an opportunity for them to grow too. It's okay. So the more we honor these sensations as opportunities, the more we're getting more and more and more 
directed by Hashem, the more we're building this relationship, the more we're making ourselves a vessel, the more clarity we have, the more peace we have. Because the opposite of, of pain is pleasure. They're the exact opposites. And really we have to understand that pain in our body is Hashem in pain. Hashem is coming, ouch, ouch, ouch. You're forgetting about me. You're controlling your life. Like, hello, you're just a vessel. And the opposite of that is when the more and more we tune in and we understand where that pain is coming from and we're like learning and learning and learning and we slow down and we become conscious, what happens with the opposite? We get filled and filled and filled and filled with more pleasure because what is pleasure? Pleasure is Hashem delighting in the world. True pleasure, fleeting pleasure is like the, the lusty, like us, you know, craving things, addictions that like we use the word pleasure for it. And that's why when I use the word pleasure, people get uncomfortable. Like, how could you use the word pleasure? I'm saying true pleasure, pleasure of like silly things that last two minutes is not pleasure. It's like if it's fleeting and it just it actually makes you feel worse afterwards. Pleasure is when it's lasting and it feels integrated and you feel Hashem and you feel the light and you feel good and you and it makes you feel like you want to dance from the from the rooftop. That's true pleasure. So and, and, and that's the Hashem experiencing like, oh, thank you for being a vessel. Like now I get to like enjoy my world and I want to delight in this garden and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want Hashem has so many desires, physical and spiritual. And he wants to be sometimes alone and sometimes with other people. And then you just you're flowing and you're flowing and you're flowing and you don't have those tight reins pushing against you because you're you're in flow with Hashem. Now, I just want to give another example that came to me to when I was thinking about this, like, um, yeah, sorry, I think I see you want to say something. I want to say one more thing, an example that like just to give an example where you could get like shame spiral down, down, down or use it as an opportunity. I have this with my kids, like whenever I'm on my phone too much or, you know, like maybe like not grounded enough or like thinking about things and I'm more like a bit not fully grounded, my kids start fighting and they're yelling and they get competitive. And so I could be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. If I would have rested today or if I would have slowed down or would have taken more time for myself or da, 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 da. Now my kids are fighting and I'm such a bad mother and I don't have my act together. That's shame. And then before I know I'm screaming at my kids and my kids are even more angry. And then, okay, that's another example of the shame. But the way to do it, the healthy way is, oh my gosh, every single time I take too much for myself that day and I go, 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 and I don't pause and I don't take enough time to eat a healthy lunch. I don't have enough sunshine or I don't, you know, I, I work too much. My kids fight at night. Wow, Hashem, thank you for showing me through my children that I, that you love me so much that you want me to be more integrated. You want me to pause. You want me to live slower. You want me to live more present. How would I know that if my kids weren't fighting? They are teaching me that there's something that I need to work on more to be more integrated, to slow down more. Instead of, first of all, what's wrong with you kids, get your act together. And instead of shaming me that I'm not a good mother, something needs some tweaking, something needs more evolving, something needs more loosening, growing, evolving. And then I see that every time when I'm like, the next day I'm like, okay, you can only do an hour or two of work, not four hours, and you need to slow down. And, you, and then my kids are calmer. And I'm like, thank you, Hashem. Like, you love me so much. You want me to live in alignment. So I thought that was another real life example. I think we could all relate to. Um, yeah, sorry, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just want to um, point out that your your mushal of the horse is so profound and important because I know I, and I'm sure many of us have 
always heard this example of the horse as our body is the the vessel for our neshama. And it's a, it's a slight difference because we felt our minds were our neshama. We're telling us where we need to go, how we need to serve Hashem. And if our body wasn't listening, we would be like hitting the horse. Like, hello, come on, get, get the show on the road. We have to serve Hashem here. But we're not serving our version of Hashem. What I'm hearing and what I'm understanding over all these weeks is we're serving the Abishter, the that way beyond our mind. And he takes us exactly where we meant to go. And if it hurts, Hashem is just pulling us along. It's such a different, slight version. And I really appreciate the, that example. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's very helpful and very clear, right? Um, so yeah, so, okay, now I wanna just say a couple more things. And if anyone wants to ask questions, we could, and then we're gonna read inside. Um, so, okay, one, one of the things why I wanted to say the difference between pain and pleasure, because we're going to read inside that Maisha's face was shining, right? After he got the second Luchais versus the first one. And the Rebbe explains that what is that the shining face is not just for Maisha Rabbeinu, that we could all have that, right? And he says, where does the shining come from? It comes from Kesser, from the crown. And Kesser, if, as, if we know, I know this is a little deep, but for some of you, Maybe you can integrate this, but the concept of the, a crown, that a face is shining is a, when we're crowned, when we're accessing Kesser, and Kesser is will and desire. What does that mean? That through trial and error, through feeling the pain, through feeling Hashem's reins, holding us back, holding us back, holding us back, he's not trying to pain us, he's trying to get us to spade us a flow of unity, of pleasure, of delight. He wants to delight in life through us. And so the more we let go and we say, okay, Hashem, I surrender, okay, Hashem, Show me the way, show me the way. You're the, my GPS. I'm obviously going in the wrong direction. Instead of, I'm such a loser, I can't believe it, now I have pain. Okay, you're teaching me something. And the more we open up, then we get a crown, we get Kesser, we get we get Hashem, Hashem's desires come through us, Hashem's will. And that's how we become shining, full of light, because we're so in line with Hashem, we're such a vessel and vehicle for Hashem, that it literally comes through. And I want to say this last piece of this is literally the way to Geula, of changing the world, the whole world. That not only, first of all, we get personal Geula when we're living in this space because, wow, it's like, what is Geula? Geula is marriage with Hashem, is unity with Hashem. So when we're a vessel for Hashem and we're having, experiencing delight and pleasure and we know what we want because we are tuning in and Hashem's communicating to us, we actually get out of this victim mode and this pain and suppression I'm so, and we don't and the, out of shame and blame and we're just living in alignment we're living free. But this has a ripple effect, because the more we do this to ourselves, the more we can show up and be an angel for someone else. There's a concept that Mashiach Eliyahu and Navi is going to come and save the day right we're all we all could be Eliyahu and Navi we all can be that angel to come and save someone else because someone else is in pain. If we don't do the work, then we shame them. How could you do that? What's wrong with you? Didn't you know you're such a loser? And we spread, spread, spread darkness. But if we don't do that to ourselves, then someone's like, I can't believe. You know what? It's okay. You're learning. We're all learning. It's an opportunity. What can you learn from this? It's it, You're loved. You're okay. We spread that. It's contagious. We be a light for someone else. And we give them an opportunity to see themselves in that kind of way. And the thing is, what's so amazing is that we're so ready. Gula is here. The thing literally that's blocking us is these two things, our fear, our not understanding the body, 
and the suppression and the fear of the pain, not having the language for it, and the shame is the evil. So if we, each of us transform this and grow and grow, ascend and ascend and ascend from every mistake and from every, and see everything as an opportunity, as, as a, a way to connect more and more and more and become a vehicle for Hashem and our face shining with light, like Maisha, that has this ripple effect and getting every, and the gula is, the final gula is when every single place is, person is channeling Hashem and unified with Hashem and knows their truth and knows what Hashem wants from them at every minute. Each person with Hashem, married to Hashem, knowing what Hashem wants, we're all vessels and then we're all together interconnected showing up in the way we're supposed to, then there's no jealousy, then there's no fighting, then there's no war, there's no sickness. So much sickness is our body literally years and years and years blocking the sensations and shutting it down. It brings chronic back pains and headaches and frozen shoulders and and uh, diseases. And, you know, so it's literally, it's like, when you think like, what does it mean this inner work is gonna bring gula, like abracadabra? No, we have to understand that so many of the issues that are happening in life is at the core from the shame, from the blame, from the disassociation, from the disconnect. And the more and more we each draw Hashem into our own personal life and bring that transformation for ourselves, we can have that ripple effect. And if we don't do that for ourselves, then we're treating others the way we treat ourselves. You could be a coach, you could be a therapist, you can be, you know, study for 25 years in the best colleges. If you don't know how to treat yourself, you cannot transform someone else. It has to be with yourself. Avram Avinu trailblazed and transformed the world because he trans transformed himself. He became Avraham, became a vessel for Hashem. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I need to say one more thing. Yeah. You well, want, I have a question, but I can wait. So okay, I just wanted to give one more example that I think is really important of why Hashem created this concept of disconnect and why is that important step to have Geula? Because I said a lot of things, but this is another thing I want to say as in, with an example. I have this book in my house. My kids love it. It's called The Candy Kids. I don't know if any of you have seen it or know it, but it's a great book. And it's a book of a mom who always wants to make delicious, healthy food. And she makes broccoli and chicken and vegetable soups and works so hard and her kids are like ew 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 we don't like vegetables we don't need anything green we don't we just want candy we just want cake we just want ice cream and every day she makes healthy food and it goes to waste and it goes to waste and finally she's like this is ridiculous i'm literally wasting food every day fine you know what you want to eat candy and cake eat whatever you want and the kids are like yay and they you know eat ice cream for breakfast and they bring donuts for lunch and for dinner they have cake and all their friends are jealous of them and they're like yeah we're the candy kids we can eat whatever we want and then slowly in the book what happens is that oh, one day like you know the kid he was so strong and he's playing with his friend and he like falls down and he's like i don't know why i'm so weak and the girl's hair starts falling out and Anyways, all these things happening to the kids and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong with us? We don't, we can't sleep well and we can't play and, and we feel so weak. And they go to the doctor and the doctor explains to them about healthy food. And then they have the transformation and then they come home. They're like, mommy, please get rid of cake. Get rid of ice cream. We never want to see sugar ever again. We just want to eat healthy. Like we feel so yucky. Like we felt weak. We felt sick. This is the definite, this is Geula. If imagine if Hashem created the world in perfection if we stayed in Gan Eden, fine, so we have healthy food. Yay, thank you, mom, for making healthy food. 
But the, when we had the exile, when we had the separation, we felt the separation feels so, we feel so sick, we feel so lonely, our bodies hurt, we feel so sad, we feel so anxious, we feel so tormented, we feel so suppressed, we feel so abandoned, horrible, 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 excruciating feelings. And then when we start healing them and transforming them, and we feel the love of Hashem, and we feel the unity of Hashem, and we feel the wholesomeness of Hashem and the loneliness goes away and the anxiety goes away and our body starts feeling better and better. Do you think anyone needs to stand with a stick and telling me what to do? I never want to feel lonely again. I never want to feel anxious again. I never want to feel those horrible, painful feelings again. I'm terrified. I'm more, so that's what it means, yiras Hashem, fear of Hashem. That I'm so scared of feeling those horrible feelings. I'm terrified of not listening to my body and tuning into what and I'm serious like and this is a great um intro for next week in Ritz Hashem I said that there's there's no real sicha so I'm going to share my journey in Ritz Hashem and it's a great intro to this because because of what I went through the fear of feeling those horrible feelings and being so disconnected was so traumatizing for me that if that to, to not choose Hashem even if it made no sense and even if my head was screaming and even if the whole world would judge I was so terrified that I had no other choice and that's what pushed me along and pushed me along and pushed me along. And that is what gets us into Google. And that is what, what Google is. We tasted it, Hashem. We, and you see in the world now, people are like, how could it be that Google is coming? Like the world is, everything's available. Click the two-year-old or watching crazy, you know, whatever. You could use your imagination. Like everything's accessible. Like it, it's a me, me, me. And like all addictions, everything's available. That's why it's Google. We're so sick. We're so throwing up from everything that's possible. We tried it. There's no secrets. There's no more trying out. There's nothing. We've tried everything. We've even changed our genders. Like there's nothing more. Like there's literally, we've tried everything possible to get happy and, but we're still miserable. So it's from that place, like the candy kids that it's like, there's gotta, if there's nothing more that I don't want to live. So if there's something more, what is it? It's Hashem. Okay. I'm with you, Hashem. And then that's why it says when Mashiach comes, no one's going to be coerced. No one's going to need a teacher to tell them what to do. Everyone's going to because when we see that Hashem is the refua, Hashem is the feeling that we need in order to cure all this sickness inside of our bodies, no one's going to ever go back. And that's why it means Geula is everlasting. No one's going to need to be told what to do. No one ever is going to want to ever go back. We've had enough of that. You're following? Make sense? I just reflect back because you said yeah. you were going to like say something and see if it. So first of all, I think that... Um have to digest so like i'm not 100 sure but i feel like those examples and what you shared is super helpful and i and i'm wondering if you would agree that and my my reaction sort of is that regardless maybe my question started out one way but maybe regardless of whether it's actually a, a vera or or it's we're not fulfilling our the true hashem desires or what where regardless of where it's coming from maybe the goal is to be able to tolerate the discomfort yes. in order to hear our body and like really tune into what's going on yes. and then then we'll have the inner wisdom to like yes. differentiate between the two yes you think that's true yeah, I know. I know it's true. It is true. And thank you because this is really important because people keep asking. So I want to take a minute to expand on that and say, yes, people will say, why are you saying listening and tuning into your body? My body feels so uncomfortable. Well, you have to go through on a journey. If you want to get to the end, you're going through a forest and you're getting to a palace and they'll say, 
why would we want to go to the palace we're climbing on trees and there's lizards and it's so uncomfortable well to get to the palace you have to get through the forest so why should i listen to my body it's so uncomfortable well it's through the sensations and through the discomfort and through the uh, you know my chest pain and my all the uncomfortable parts of my body is like going through the thick forest facing the lizards facing the ghosts facing all the parts that you don't want to face and you build this relationship with Hashem inside of your body, eventually you start, it starts turning into pleasure and in, in clarity and delight and desires. But you, you, there's no, you can't get to the well of clarity and desires if you don't willing to feel, to walk through the desert. So you build a relationship, trusting that you'll get to the clarity and the desires through listening to the uncomfortable feelings. And really it's all Hashem. The same reins that are holding the horse pulling it are the same reins that are like, good job, Horace, good job, keep going, keep going, keep going. It's the same reins, it's the same Hashem, he's just communicating to us. So if we wanna build that relationship with Hashem, we have to be willing to face all the sensations and it's the way, it's the path. So, the yeah. clarity that I'm feeling in this, like <laughs> these examples is that the fear and shame are so intertwined. They're so, we could feel them separately, but the fear is the fuel, I think, because when we can understand and really feel it in our body more than understand it intellectually, but when, we, when we've experienced enough to feel the truth and what you're saying, then the fear could also be quelled a bit, which allows us to, which will allow us to really tune in to what's going on because if the frozen shoulder is freaking you out because, oh my gosh, like uh, this is terrible. And, you know, then your mind starts to play with you and go further and further. And you're just like sort of sensitizing your brain to fear and pain as opposed to, uh, okay. I don't, don't want to get it away, but I'm just, it's for me, this is like such an aha, like, oh, the good. Cause I've already, you know, really learned about the fear and really learned about the shame. But when you connect the two, it feels a little different because like that fear in the forest, the lizards and the ghosts are much scarier when you're also in fear. Exactly. So if you tell yourself, you know what, other people have gone through this and they've, they've told me they found the palace and they know that it's there and they're okay. And, and Hashem is with me and I'm safe. And I will get to the other end by facing these ghosts and lizards and they have no power over me and Hashem is with me and he's holding me and he's protecting me and I'm okay. And that's the of like, tuning of grounding and coming to essence and knowing that you're held and it's just the path through and you're okay and you're okay and you're okay and there's no room for shame there's the fear is also the yitzhahara so calming taking deep breaths hashem's with me hashem's with me this is the way to hashem if this is the way to hashem then he's going to protect me i'm going to be okay so, and, yeah. and also like i guess what i'm also trying to say is that the fear is is like kids being afraid of the monster under the bed yeah, there could be ghosts and there could be a frozen shoulder. But the truth is, so, it's not so it's, it's not dangerous. It's not scary. Like it's exactly. not it's a thing. It's just your mind. It's exactly. your body. It has no power. Exactly. Yeah, It's not actually dangerous. You don't actually have to be afraid. And when you are yes. able to make that shift, then the monsters and the lizards and the frozen shoulder can also go away. Yes, you know, it's really important what you're saying. And I, I'll tell you the only way that I keep going forward and facing like very deep things inside of me is by by when I switched out of fear. 
And then yeah. I, when I experience very big things, I, I literally like tell myself, I'm like, it hurts. I feel it. I notice it. It's uncomfortable and it's scary. And at the same time, by me facing it and allowing it and listening and tuning in, not only is nothing bad going to happen to me, but I'm literally opening up a new channel of essence, a new channel of light, a new channel of clarity. And I'm okay. And Hashem is not going to give me anything that I can't handle. And this is the path to Hashem. So I'm, it's okay. It's just, it's just feelings. Like it's just sensations. It's just guiding me to something deeper. And that's how I get through layer after layer after layer after layer. The fear is such a blockage. It's fear is equal to shame. Just like shame, like mm. shuts you down. Fear, if you're cycling into anxiety, then the, then the anxiety is getting all your attention instead of the deep sensations in your body. So the first step is to calm down the anxiety and to breathe and I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Once you're safe and that's the grounding, noticing I'm safe, looking my, like lying on the floor, feeling your heart, breathing around, looking, reminding yourself you're safe. And once you ground, then you could tune into the sensations of your body. You have to come out of anxiety first. People are like, how can I listen to my body? I'm anxious. I'm not talking about it, listening to anxiety. Calm yourself out of anxiety. Don't listen to shame. Don't listen to fear. From there, then you start the journey of listening to your body. You have to be calm. You have to be grounded. Anyways, thank you. Um, Devorah, you had a question, and then we're going to read inside. Yeah, okay. Thank you. This is all great. Could you substitute shame and fear for, like, shame and Hashem? Could you, like, address that? Like, like Hashem, why are you doing this to me? As opposed to... Oh, shame on me. I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad da da da. I'm not showing up. But like, like Hashem, like you're not showing up. Like you're not being fair. Yeah. I think it's actually, yeah, I think that's really good to, if like, first of all, like I think what you're saying is instead of making yourself the victim or you cause this or you have control, the first thing is you have no control over your life and everything that happens is for a gift and as an opportunity. Everything, everything, everything. Even if you think, no, this one I caused because if I didn't say this and if I didn't go there and I didn't do this, then it wouldn't have happened. No, Hashem made you say that thing and made you go there and made you do it. It's all exactly from Hashem. So that's the first thing. Like, okay, Hashem, he's in charge of my life. Like he led me to this. Even if I didn't listen to my body, listen to my head, I'm, that's where I'm at right now. So for some reason, like, it's okay. And then... And then it, and you're saying like almost like you're angry at Hashem. So, you know, I, I will say, wow, I was so angry at Hashem, so angry at Hashem. And I raged at Hashem so much. And I'm so grateful because the, uh, the other end, I let Hashem in so deeply because I let out the anger. So if you're frustrated by your life and feel it's unfair and you don't express that and you don't say and you don't make hold space for that, you're going to be blocking intimacy with Hashem because it's like saying my husband said something really hurtful to me and I'm it's, it's eating me up, but I don't want to say anything to him or I don't want to feel it because then it will break our intimacy. So let me just keep being nice and loving. But inside, I'm so angry. You could pretend you're having intimacy. I'm saying emotional intimacy, but you're not really having intimacy because you're seething inside. So actually, if you whether you speak to him about it, you don't you don't I don't think you should speak to your husband when you're seething and angry because you don't never productive to speak to anyone when you're angry, like go work your anger out inside, like feel your feelings, breathe like I, I made me feel so worthless and I'm so angry and I deserve better and no one should speak to me that way to talk to yourself and steam that out steam that out steam that out. And then if there's something to say you'll say something but once you let that out of your system you can let your husband back in. 
It's the same thing with Hashem. People are, I'm not allowed to be angry at Hashem. What are you talking about? Hashem is infinite. Hashem is old. He could hold all of our feelings. And if we, if we feel like so, something not fair happening in our life and we let it out of Hashem, then that allows more intimacy with Hashem. It's actually the path to intimacy. So I highly encourage that. I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying, but... Um, I want to say something on it. Wait, sorry, Viviana. Um, I actually, because it's really late, I'm going to read and then we'll stop the recording. Then we could talk more afterwards, okay? Okay, thank you. So um, page 375. Let me just see what ice it is. Um, seven, Zion. These three above mentioned aspects, stages are in order. So, so the beginning of the rabbi was saying again, like about there's the first stage about getting the first luchais, then the middle stage of the cheta egel and the breaking, and then the final stage of getting the new luchais and Maisha's face shining. So these three above mentioned aspect stages are in order that Hashem instituted that all matters are divided into three, Aleph, Bays, and Gimel, beginning, middle, and end. That after the beginning of the matter, Aleph, there is the middle aspect, Bays, um, the stage through which the goal is achieved. And specifically, this brings the culmination and completion of the matter, Gimel, as spoken above. So the Rebbe says, the middle aspect, Bays, of the sin, of the disconnect, is through which the goal is achieved that you have to go through the sins and the disconnect in order for the final goal of Geula to be able to happen. And we may say that the above mentioned regarding the level of Bays, again, the middle stage of the exile of disconnect of sin, is not only regarding the creation in general, the Tzimtzumim, rather also the results that come as a result of it, including the concept of sin and breaking, etc. So the Rebbe is saying, we're not only talking about Tzimtzumim separation, even the sin, even the breaking, even the disconnect, even that is purposeful. Even that, we have to go through those stages. As Hasidic teachings explain the words of our sages on the verse, the awesome one devised a plan for people that the sin of the tree of knowledge came about because he, Adam, was intrigued to do so. Namely, that the fact that sometimes evil of the evil inclination overcomes a person and he commits a sin is because from above the evil inclination was sent to bring him to do the sin. So the rabbi's like making no space for like, but, but, but like, well, yeah, maybe there was a purpose for exile. Maybe there was a purpose for the tzimtzumim, the pain, but there's no space for evil or sins. And, and the, so the rabbi's saying, no, the fact that Hashem made a Yetzirah and made us in is purposeful, is for the gift for us, is a greater reason. Since for Jewish people in essence, we always have the essence is Hashem, the Hashem's essence inside of us. Sin is completely out of question. When you're connected to your essence, it's impossible to sin. How can you disconnect from your own self? So it's only because Hashem, in his great mercy, wanted to bring the Jewish people to an exceedingly high essence. So the to, to high ascent. So the Rebbe is saying, no, in his mercy and Hashem's kindness, he created the concept of sin to get us to a higher ascent, higher than they are on their own. Therefore, there's the concept of he, Adam, was intrigued to do so, and a momentary descent transpires. So yeah, there was some descent momentarily. Um, moreover, it is only a superficial one. The eyes see it as a descent in order to bring to an immeasurably higher ascent, and not only an ascent for a small moment, rather an eternal ascent with no interruption at all after it as will be in the true and complete redemption, which comes through the great descent during exile and eternal redemption with no exile after it. And on the contrary, there will be even more ascent, ascent after ascent forever. They will go from strength to strength, appearing before Hashem in Sion. 
So the Rebbe is saying here that, like what I ended off before I started reading that, like the candy kids, because we experienced the descent, because we experienced the separation, because we physically felt so sick and so anxious and so unsettled in our body and so worthless, like dust, that when we come back to Hashem, it's so clear that it's all Hashem. It's so clear that Hashem's a solution. It's so clear that that's the only way to feel whole and good, that it's coming from our own choice. We, we, we never want to separate. We're choosing Hashem. That's a marriage. No one's forcing us. Hashem's not forcing us to be married to him. We want it. We're choosing him. And from there, it's going to be continued, continued, continued growth forever and ever. We're going to choose Hashem more and more and bring Hashem more and more into our bodies. Gula has an ongoing, ongoing, ongoing journey. Okay, because it's so late, I'm going to do a lot less than I was going to read. Um, and I'm going to talk about the, I'm just going to read the end about Maisha's face and how it's for everybody. Um, so this is ice. Let me see. 385. I'm sorry, I don't even know what ice it is. Um, 11, Yodalef on the bottom. Furthermore, in addition to the fact that every Jew receives the revelation of the shining face of the Maisha of the generation, indeed, every Jew, Jew himself acquires a shining face extending from the aspect of Maisha within him. The Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya the words of our sages on the verse. And now, how much is Hashem requesting of you merely to fear Hashem, your God? Um, is that um, upon which the Talmud asks, is then fear of heaven something so small, simple? Yes, for Maisha, it is indeed very small, simple. Now, seemingly, this does not explain the verse, for the verse says, is Hashem requesting of you, referring to the Jewish people? The Altar Rabbah answers this, that due to the aspect of Maisha, which is in every person, indeed, also for him, each and every Jew, fear of heaven is a small thing. So just to explain this, that um, as we go more into this, Maisha and what this light means. I, I think I explained when I said, what is Yiras Hashem? That we're so, so, so afraid of disconnecting from Hashem and feeling anxious and feeling disconnected and feeling cold and feeling lonely, that we're more terrified of that than, than people, than anything else, than society. So we'll choose what Hashem wants of us, even if the world thinks we're crazy, because why, why would we want to feel so bad inside? So we'll, our Yiras Hashem is so strong. We don't, we're so afraid of disconnecting from Hashem. So that this is possible for everybody. And because of the spark of Maisha inside of us, and this is another class that we talked about, I, don't, I think maybe in Vayera, I don't remember exactly, but the rabbi says that as we break open all the walls and the disconnect and the clouds and the anxiety and we get to our true self, our Yechida, inside is a spark of Maisha. That means that we have this Mashiach energy, this clarity and this of what Hashem wants and living in the state that's possible within each of us. And again, I did another class on that, so you can always go back. And we may say that within Maisha himself, there are many levels, the feet of Maisha, the body of Maisha, including the head and crown of Maisha. And regarding the lower level of fear connected to the level of the foot of Maisha, as it says, the feet of the nation which I am amidst, the term small matter is used. However, higher than this, Maisha has aspects which are on the intermediary level, including on the high level, the level of the head, and even higher, the crown, which is higher than the head, which this is the phenomenon of the shining face of Maisha, the level of the Keser crown, the kingly crown, as known, again, Kesser is being a vessel for Hashem's will and desire, like opening up and letting Hashem's desire come through you. So your crown, so your vessel for Hashem. And likewise, it is understood regarding the aspect of Maisha within every single Jew, that extending from it, every Jew includes in himself all levels, small, intermediary, and great, 
including also the concept of a crown, the shining face. So the rabbi is saying, not only Maisha has different levels, we all have a part of us that we very small, that like, oh, we just do our little thing. Then we have the intermediary. And then we have serious greatness where when we become one with Hashem, that on the level of Maisha, that we have a shining face. And in the innovation of this is that the concept of the true Kesser is not possible in the opposite side, the realm of negativity. And it was given specifically to every Jew for they are sons of kings, moreover kings, then in all times and all states, even in the time and the state of exile, a Jew has the kingly crown of a shining face. I have to end here because it's so late, but um, you got the gist that you could read inside and get the whole sicha for yourself. But basically, if you think I'm not Maisha, who am I? I'm not so great. Maybe it's just for great people. Maybe it's people who are so strong. Maybe it's people who have amazing neshamas. The rabbi is saying, that's just the Yetzirah, basically. Every single person has this ability, and not only the ability, you have to. It's an achayas. We have to. This is the way to bring Gula. You all have the ability to open up, to become a vessel to Hashem. And you want to be great? What, what made Misha great? He was humble. He was a vessel for Hashem. That is greatness. When we stop trying to be so great, I need a name. I need a reputation. I need a thousand likes on social media. Like, And then we let that go and we surrender to Hashem, that's how we become great because Hashem is so powerful and we become a vessel for power. Okay, so I, I lately have been ending off with bracha and I feel like it's a very good way to end. So, and then we could discuss afterwards, but really may we all have the strength to have the Messiah Snafesh that the Rebbe spoke about last week, which is really, really having the strength to let go of people pleasing and society and but I have to and what are people gonna think and really have the strength to let go of shame and to understand that our body is Hashem's inside of our body and he's always trying to communicate to us what's right and what's wrong and not let go of the fear around and our old beliefs around pain in the body and to expand ourselves to be able to really hold loving space to ground and know we're safe and Hashem's communicating to us to be able to hear and tune in to the voice of Hashem within us so that we could heal and release all the negative and all the off track that we do that causes pain and to be able to really open up to be a vessel to for Hashem to delight through us, which transforms the pain into pleasure and to be able to really access pleasure and access joy and feel joy and radiate joy and have a light shining through our bodies and our face so that we can radiate that to everyone around us and ultimately all of us be walking around full of light and full of joy and experience the final gaula, which is gonna happen through that work. Well,